0: now for our weekly wrap-up of global politics with dr stephen hoadley associate professor of politics and international relations at the university of auckland's faculty of arts Uh, good morning dr stephen and this morning a bit of good news in libya what's uh, the latest there
1: Good morning, Brian. Yes, a a little bit less chaos in this country that's been divided for a decade since the Western governments displaced the dictator Gaddafi. The two sides of the country, the East and the West, have been fighting for supremacy. There's a general on the East. There's a recognized government in the West, in Tripoli. And the two have fought to a standstill somewhere in the middle, something like the Desert War that New Zealand participated in 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 1940, going back and forth across the sand. Well, the foreigners have become involved, as they did in World War II, and we've got the Russians uh, supporting the general, uh, the challenger in the east. We've got the Turks supporting the government in the west, and consequently— uh, the finding some kind of solution becomes very difficult, especially because each of the governments is bringing in mercenaries and militias. So it's not a, a nice, clear command structure of two armies facing each other, as it was in World War II. It's a very messy business of militias and strongmen, uh, young men with guns asserting their authority. Well, the good news is the United Nations has brokered a ceasefire, and it looks like the two sides are going to talk to each other. The two militaries are going to try to curb the militias and the vigilantes and send the mercenaries back home again or some, to some other conflict someplace else. And that they are going to schedule an election in maybe three or four months. This is very good news indeed. Why? Because Libya has a lot of oil. And the more oil that uh, Libya can put into the world market, the better it is for us at the petrol pump because it'll bring the prices down marginally. Also, Libya is a conduit for uh, irregular migrants and that uh, these migrants are being held in very um, brutal circumstances in holding camps and something can be done to uh, improve their situation. So yeah, good luck Libya and good luck United Nations. Uh, Let's hope that the ceasefire holds.
0: Now you have been supportive of the United Nations this week, how so?
1: Well, uh, Brian, I wrote an article for the New Zealand Herald. Uh, Listeners may have seen it in the Friday uh, comment section in which I commemorated the 75th anniversary of the United Nations coming into effect. And I said, yes, there's been lots of failures. Uh, World peace has not broken out. Conflict continues. Is this the fault of the United Nations? And I argued, no, it's the fault of the governments that continue to to be aggressive or to make war, and of non-governmental organizations like terrorist groups, ethnic groups, and so forth and that the United Nations does its best to mitigate, but it cannot stop all of these conflicts. Besides that, the United Nations is a a global safety net. The World Food Organization has just gotten a Nobel Peace Prize for its work in feeding people. The World Health Organization has done great work on the pandemic. Uh, the, uh, The peacekeepers have gotten a Nobel Prize to try to dampen down conflict. And you go through dozens of organizations that are affiliated with the United Nations, looking after women, children, water, food, the environment, uh, human rights, and you find that the UN really does a lot of good things. We would really miss it uh, if it wasn't there. Uh, Can the Chinese, if they become the hegemon, uh, recreate a United Nations system? Not very likely. It would be in China's interest to reinforce the U.N. system within which the Chinese then can prosper. Likewise, the United States under Trump has been somewhat dismissive of the U.N. But I think uh, President Biden, when he's elected, I'm hopeful that uh, he will be more respectful. It doesn't cost all that much in terms of uh, how much the militaries cost. And that uh, the bottom line, in my view, is that uh, let's try to reform the U.N., and support the UN and it certainly, uh, without it, we would be worse off.
0: Staying with the UN, uh, UN arms control treaty about to come into effect, Uh, why has it become controversial?
1: Well, this is a treaty to ban nuclear weapons, now this is an old idea and certainly New Zealand uh, has been at the forefront of uh, the anti-nuclear movement uh, for decades. Now there is already a treaty called the Non-Proliferation Treaty, the NPT. And uh, the, uh, the major powers that have nuclear weapons say, look, this is adequate. Let's just stick with the old NPT. Well, the, a lot of other governments, progressive governments, have gotten together. They've drafted uh, in uh, nine, 2017 a, um, a new treaty uh, to, in which uh, nuclear weapons are Outlawed, that is, you cannot legally, if you sign up to this treaty, uh, develop nuclear weapons or have nuclear weapons or allow nuclear weapons to come onto your territory. And uh, this has been supported by non-governmental organizations, uh, which uh, have been recognized as doing quite an extraordinary job of changing public opinion. Okay, good news so far for the anti-nuclear movement. The bad news is all the nuclear powers won't sign up. So we have a standoff between the non-nuclear powers that want to ban nuclear weapons and the nuclear powers that want to keep their nuclear weapons, arguing that the deterrent effect of their nuclear weapons has prevented nuclear war, that if a dismantlement of nuclear weapons took place, this would destabilize a delicately balanced system of deterrence and that it might cause more risk. Uh, than the current uh, situation. So uh, this treaty will come into effect. The 50th ratification has just taken place. And so after a time period, in January, the treaty will be in effect, but only for those governments that have signed up, the 50 governments. Well, there are 200 governments in the world, so 50 is not a majority. And uh, they will grow. No doubt others will join in. New Zealand, I think, will be enthusiastic for this. Uh, But uh, unless the nuclear powers uh, uh, agree to this, it's not going to go anywhere. So symbolically, it's important. It delegitimizes nuclear weapons, but it's not going to make us a nuclear weapons free world just yet.
0: Mm. U.S. presidential debate a few days ago, your perspective?
1: Well, Brian. uh, a, a, a day is a long time in U.S. politics. That was last Friday. That seems like an age ago. The, the debate has already been forgotten. Well, I think everybody agrees Joe, Joe Biden won the debate. Uh, Trump did less bad than they thought he would. But now Trump is out on the hustings. He is going from corner to corner of the U.S. in his Air Force One aircraft I hope the Republican Party is paying for that because it's a gross misuse of public uh, resources to use the presidential plane for his own personal political rallying. But he is drawing in large crowds, unmasked. They are called super spreader events as the COVID-19 spreads across the United States, almost unchecked. It seems like the Trump uh, campaign has given up on trying to control the coronavirus. And he emphasizes, let's get the economy open again. Biden, on the other hand, much more cautious, uh, arguing that before the economy can be healthy, the people have to be healthy. And therefore, controlling the coronavirus is the first priority with the help of, sci- of, of medical scientists and other specialist advisors. Well, the, there's a stark contrast. Uh, Who is winning? Well, the Trump Administration has just installed their third Supreme Court justice and packed the Supreme Court with conservative justices. So, Trump, even if he loses the election, will leave behind a legacy of conservative court justices. But at the moment, uh, the polls on the average show Biden ahead at a 9, 52 percent, and Trump only at 42 percent. So, about a 9 point advantage, which was greater than Hillary Clinton's advantage was going into the last election. So there's uh, there's a lot of hope in the Biden camp and a lot of uh, uh, frantic activity in the Trump camp uh, trying to make up for lost ground. Half of the U.S. voters have already cast their vote by mail-in or advance voting. So uh, at this point, it's going to be very difficult to shift uh, the basic election, because uh, already it's in the box uh, and it will be counted. So uh, for the rest of us, we just have to sit by and want, wait anxiously for the next seven days. Uh, on Wednesday next will be uh, the, uh, the voting day in the U.S. and hope that a clear result uh, will be forthcoming and the whole election won't be tied up in the courts.
0: And finally, uh, what's the latest updates from our Pacifica region?
1: Well, uh, Pacifica region, uh, three uh, issues that uh, are of interest. Uh, one, first, well, we'll go from bad to good. Uh, in Indonesia, a team has found that the Indonesian forces have uh, killed a West Papua pastor who happened to be, or at least allegedly, associated with the West Papua Liberation Army that's fighting for independence the West Papuas in the Indonesian province. Uh, So that that the conflict continues and and fatalities on both sides continue uh, to be be felt. So we hope that some resolution can come out of that. Uh, Slightly more uh, political rather than violent is the case of New Caledonian nickel. Now, nickel is the major export. It's a third of the world's nickel comes from New Caledonia. And the Brazilian owner of a large nickel mine wants to sell it. Now, the Caledonian Kanak people, the independence movement in New Caledonia, wanted to go to a local buyer. And there is a local buyer in association with a Korean uh, company that has made an offer, but it's, it's not a very uh, a good offer. So the Brazilians are threatening to close the mine. Well, look, that's 20% of the jobs in New Caledonia. So it's a terrible threat that the Brazilians are putting on the New Caledonians, uh, to either uh, to either uh, pay up uh, the price that we want, or we close the mine and throw 20% of the workers out of work. Okay, that's that's a that's a that's a brutal confrontation, and uh, we'll report later on, Brian, on how that turns out. Let's just to finish on a more happy note, uh, Creative New Zealand, Creative New Zealand, uh, is uh, has made uh, Pacifica Awards and some eight Pacifica artists have been recognized in these awards, uh, recognizing innovation and excellence in Pacific arts and the contribution to enriching the diversity of Aotearoa as a multicultural Pacific nation. So that's, that's a good note on which to end. Brian, I look forward to talking to you next week.
0: Yes indeed, uh, Dr Stephen Hoadley, Associate Professor of Politics and International Relations at the University of Auckland's Faculty of Arts. Have a great, doc- uh, great day Dr Stephen, we'll catch up next week. Thank you.